Praise God. This is a good day. We've been talking about uh, hearing the Lord, how to hear God, how to hear the voice of God the last few weeks. We talked about preparing to hear, hear His voice. I trust that you have prepared yourself today, maybe this whole week, to come and to hear His voice. If you'll prepare to hear Him, you'll be surprised how much more you do hear Him, how much more He speaks to you. If you missed that message uh, you can get it on the podcast, or we might have some CDs of it. Also, we talked about uh, hearing aids last week, some things that we can do to aid us in hearing God. And we talked about uh, seven keys uh, to hearing God as well. But today I want to talk about hindrances to hearing. Because we can do a lot of different things. We can prepare ourselves in various things. But if we don't watch out for five specific things, we can hinder the, word, the, the, the voice of God speaking into our spirit. And so, uh, as a text we've taken Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, and of course, seven times in the book of Revelation, Jesus says to those seven churches, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's, this is the day that we're living in. And so, this is a word to us, that we should have an ear to hear and hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches to us. We need to hear what he's saying. God has some very important instructions to share with us, and we need it minute by minute. We're living in such a, an hour and a day that, uh, you know, it, his, the rapture of the bride could be at just any second. So we need to be prepared. And uh, as we see these other things happening that, that really give reference to what's going to happen during the tribulation time, and everything's just kind of boiling and stirring and rolling over, if that's close, then the rapture is very close because uh, he gives us a promise. In fact, he gives the, the, the Philadelphia church a promise. He said, because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming on the whole world. And so we have that promise. If we're longing and loving his appearing, if we are faithful as a bride to the bridegroom, then that's all of that, that's required. Jesus also said in John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's some direct instructions to us today. My sheep listen to my voice. So we need to know how to hear God, prepare to hear him and uh, do everything that we can to, to hear him. And, and, uh, and then we need to listen to his voice you know, hearing and, and listening, sometimes you, you, I hear certain things, but listening means we catch it and then we do it. He says, I know them and they follow me. So God is expecting us. He's going to speak. He's speaking to us and he expects us to listen and then follow him. Now, when you were born again, you received a new nature. And the Spirit of God lives in you, the Word of God tells us, and he wants to speak to us. He lives in you and he wants to speak to you. God wants your spiritual ears to be open in order that you can hear the voice of the Spirit of God. You know, at, at um, some time you're going to struggle with one or more of these hindrances that we're going to talk about today. So you need to jot them down. Jot some of the scriptures down and look them up. Make this be a Bible study throughout the week. If you have some questions about it, send me an email or, or a text or something. Let's talk about it because we need to know these things. The very first hindrance to hearing God's voice is unbelief. And that might seem like it's a given. Well, you might hear all five of these today and say, oh, well, duh. Yeah, well, sometimes it's those simple things that really mess us up, right? Uh, it could be unbelief could be not believing that God is living inside of you. It could be that a person is not actually born again. Maybe they've just been in church. Maybe you, you've been in church all your life and um, you've, you know, maybe you say, well, I've been baptized. And you might want have gone down a dry center and come up a wet center. You know, it's, uh, that's not what it's all about. You know, uh, baptism is an outward expression of an inward work. So if you haven't got that inward work, if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ and, and you haven't believed on him as, as the Savior, then uh, you're not saved. The other thing is, is not believing that God uh, can and will speak to you. You might think, well, you know, I know he might speak to sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, but I don't know if he can speak to me or not. You know, I, I, 
my life that I lived, that I did this and I did that. That's behind us, right? The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. You are a child of God. The Spirit of Christ is dwelling in you, and He wants to speak to you. So you need to believe that. Um, you know, it's, it's really very simple. Uh, the, in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Everything is possible for him who believes. So everything is possible for him that, who believes. And this, my saying is, that, you know, it's just real simple. You make the unbelievable believable when you believe. Now, that's how simple it is. You make the unbelievable believable when you simply believe. Everyone believes something. You know, whether it's right or wrong, everybody believes something. Um, St. Anselm, he said this, he said, For I do not seek to understand that I may believe, but I believe in order to understand. For this I believe, that unless I believe, I should not understand. Did you get that? He says, I don't seek to understand that I might believe. I believe in order to understand. And then he said, for this I believe, that unless I believe, I'll never understand. And so we need to believe, and we need to uh, believe first, and then we can understand later. Uh, in the banker's bulletin, they have these little one-liners, and it says, uh, what a man accomplishes depends on what he believes. And that's so true. We, we do things based upon what we believe. So it's very important. The importance of your believing, though, is believing rightly. Because, again, you, everybody believes something, so you're either going to believe right or you believe wrong. Everybody believes, but not everybody believes correctly. How, would you agree with that? Uh, how many of you know that, you know, there, there are some people, they, um, well, it's like ISIS today and, and Islam. I mean, they believe what they're doing they believe is right. They believe it's true. But not everybody believes the way that they believe. And so everybody believes something. But so what you believe is very important. The strength of, our belief, of what we have believed in uh, and what we've been taught all through our life is so strong that sometimes it won't allow us to admit that we are wrong. You know, down through history we've seen various things, you know, of... Um, back when the world was supposedly flat and it had been taught so long that the world was flat that when they began to discover that it wasn't flat, there were people that they'd been taught all their life that it was flat, so they just couldn't believe that it was really round. You know, I mean, because that's just been ingrained in them. And maybe you were, were raised in a particular way and it could be in a particular uh, de denomination or a certain doctrine and it's just hard to change that. Well. That's, when we need to, that's why we need to hear the voice of God, and we need to understand the truth. So really, right believing must be founded upon truth. Would you agree? Right believing must be founded upon truth. All, but here's the thing. Whatever we believe, we believe that that is the truth. So then, just like Pilate asked Jesus, he said, what is truth? He was struggling. Pilate was struggling. And so he asked Jesus, what is truth? And we ought to ask that question Ourself, um, you know, man prefers to believe what he prefers to be true. That's what St. Francis Bacon said. I'd like to have that name. Uh, Gaius Julius Caesar said, Men willingly believe what they wish. And that's true, too. We would prefer to believe something that, that we like and is easy for us. And so then we try to figure out what it is to go along with that. You know, the way... And the life that we have is established upon truth. The way that we live our life and the life that we have really is established upon truth. Because in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the truth. Today, it's taught that there are many ways to God. We serve the same God, you know, God or Allah or whatever, your, your higher being. You know, he's all the same, and so there's just many ways to God. No, there's not. There's only one way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The more that you base your life on truth, 
then the better is going to be your way and the greater the life that you're going to have. But the, the more that you base your life on a lie, then the harder it's going to, to be the, your way in life and the less life you're going to enjoy because truth is the foundation for both the way and the life that we have. And so life is tough enough. We don't need to add to it, I don't think. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, then he says, think about such things. We need to have our mind upon those type of things, and we find those type of things in the Word of God. If our believing is not based on truth, then it's based upon a lie, and the results is wrong believing. Jesus is the Word. He's the Logos, and that means spoken word, or literally, when you break it down into Greek, it means discourse of divine expression. Says, John says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the, was the discourse of divine expression. A discourse, what is a discourse? A discourse is the use of words to exchange thoughts and ideas. God had a thought, he had an idea of creation, of mankind, and of, of a, uh, a relationship with mankind, but he knew what would happen, and there was going to be a need for a savior. And so out of that, at creation, Jesus was there as the word, as the, as the discourse of divine expression. And John said, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the discourse of, of divine expression. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So... That's who we got to believe in. And if you don't really believe in him, you don't believe in Jesus, and you have wrong believing, then you're not going to be able to hear the, word of, the voice of God. And it could be that you're simply still in a, what is called an unregenerated state. What, what is that? What does a generator do? If we lost power, we go to a generator, and what does a generator do? It repowers things. It brings power back up. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, you know, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. You'll be separated from me. Death is separation. And so their spirit, we are a spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body. So really the real person who we are is our spirit. And because they disobeyed, there was a fall of mankind and they died spiritually. There was a death spiritually. There was a separation between man and God. And so now there's a need to be repowered. You know, this uh, power come back to us, life come back to us, for us to be born again, re rebirth, regenerated. Uh, Jesus, or in, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And that's what it needs. That's what we need. Be getting together. What, which, what's the date again, Tim, on the, the outreach? The 20th to go out and to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Be a light in the darkness and uh, to win the lost. Develop the saved so they can be prepared to be the bride that's going to be taken out of this place. Amen? That's what we need to do. And so, you know, today the question, first of all, before anything else, we can talk about hearing God, but if you don't believe, then you can't go past that. You must believe. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. He's the only way to God. And because he is the way, he's the truth. And we believe in him, and he establishes that relationship where we can have communication with God the Father, that God speaks to us. 
So let me ask you, how many of you believe today that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? He came to take away the sin of the world and bridge the gap. You believe that today? Hold your hand up. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe that, then I challenge you before we're finished today to believe that. The other thing that you need to believe, maybe you've received Christ as your Savior, but you're, you're at that point of where, well, I believe God speaks, but I think he speaks, you know, well, when the pastor preaches, I believe that's God speaking to us because of his word. And there's many, many denominations that teach that God does not speak anymore when his word, when the word was written, when it was given to us, that that was it. It's settled, it's final, and God's not saying anything else today. I don't believe that. I believe he still has a lot to say. And I believe that we need to hear him. So if you're still struggling with this thing, with the concept that God, the creator of the universe, this almighty God can and wants to speak to you on a personal basis, if you're struggling with that, I challenge you to believe that he does. He really does. And he, once you get to that point, then you'll have, you, your believing then will be based on truth and upon what Jesus has to say, upon the word of God. The next hindrance is an undeveloped spirit. So unbelief always happens, you know, and Satan's always there to tell us why God won't speak to you, you know, why he might speak to somebody else, but why he won't speak to you. That's when you need to turn around and say, you know, that calling his name, what Jesus said, he's a liar and he's the father of lies. Don't listen to that, that voice. You're hearing him. People, they think that, you know, they think that, you know, that Satan speaks. They think angels speak. Various other things, thank you. Well, why wouldn't they think that, believe that God speaks? So the second thing, though, that hinders is an undeveloped spirit. Once we are born again, we're challenged to grow. And Peter, 1 Peter talks about that we're to grow, and, and the Bible tells us that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. Uh, when there's a lack of of developing in our spirit, then we're kind of like the baby, uh, you know, that kind of maybe hears this, but it really doesn't understand the voices going on. And a, a baby has to develop the ability to understand, right? So if you are a, a baby in Christ, then sometimes maybe you're really not understanding that. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians here in chapter 5, and he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, set you apart through and through. Our spirit, our soul, our body set us apart that we can be blameless. And so we need to be each part of our our triune body we're, we're made in the image and likeness of God we are a spirit we have a soul and we have a body we need to develop that now we spend a uh, there's people spend a lot of time on developing their body getting in shape taking care of themselves eating right which we need to do we need to be in shape we need to be ready for the harvest there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time on developing their attitude and have a positive attitude and be motivated and and uh, you know ready to go and and uh, working on that particular type of attitude. Well, you know, we need to spend some time developing our spirit. We develop our body, we develop our soul, we need to develop our spirit as well. And, you know, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And in John chapter 4, verse 24, it says that, it says, God is spirit, this is what Jesus said, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's that word truth again. We're to worship him, adore him, worship him. And in this worship, it's a two-way conversation. And we do that through our spirit. So our spirit needs to be developed. And we need to develop it to the potential uh, of what God has designed us to be. And how do we go about doing that? Well, first of all, 
His word is truth. And so if we need to understand the word. In Romans chapter 12, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is, the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. See, God wants to convey to us what His will is. That's what we think God speaking to us is all about, so that He can tell us what His will is. And so to do that, we need to be, our minds need to be renewed, needs to be transformed. We need to be transformed. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, because that's where the battle is. You know, between the soul and the spirit, our mind is this place of where there's this merging, and it's the battleground for uh, every one of us. That, that's where Satan challenges us in those thoughts and the intents of our heart. God knows them, and Satan tries to bring thoughts around. He doesn't necessarily know our thoughts, but he, can bring, he brings things our way to, to inf- influence us to think a certain way. And to that way, if we can begin to think a particular way, we might believe something. And when we believe it, then we begin to react. But we ought to know the truth because the truth sets us free from all of this that Satan's bringing. And so we need to learn the proper usage of God's word and then tune your ear to that. We need to know the truth so much that when the lie comes that we spot the lie. Again, people work on developing their personalities, their abilities, their body, etc. But we need to work on uh, just as diligently in developing our spirit. So we do that through His Word, and we also do it through prayer. And prayer should be communication with God, not just coming in with our list of needs and throwing it out there, but waiting to hear God. If you're not having a time to just wait before the Lord and to hear Him, then that's not communication. Now, ladies, what would you think if, you, only, you know, your husband came in in the evening and he had this list of stuff that he expected you to do and he kind of put it out there and, you know, he says, I need my clothes washed, I need something to eat, I need all this, you know, stuff done. And boy, he rolls it all out there, you know, and you can go to the bank and get me some money because I'm gonna, I'll be doing this for myself and all this, everything. What would y'all think about it? And didn't ask you anything. How was your day? You know, uh, is everything going okay? Or no, no communication at all. Just threw out his list of to-dos. <laughs> throw it back at him. Tie, no, you tie it to a brick and throw it back at him. <laughs> I mean, how long do you think a relationship like that would last? What? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's what I get for asking, I guess. (laughs) Don't you see that that's how our prayer life is most of the time? If if God is lucky, (laughs) we might talk to him once a day to tell him, you know, to check up and see if he's done everything we've told him to do. And we have to do that so fast because we've got our own things to take care of that, you know, we shouldn't even have to ask. He ought to just know and do it. And then we're mad because he doesn't. You know, I shouldn't even have to ask. You're supposed to love me and you're supposed to do that. So why don't you just do it? So here we go. What kind of relationship is that? And just think about it for a second. What percentage of the body of Christ do you think might have that particular type of relationship in their communication with God? It's a one-way deal, just telling him what we need or complaining about what we didn't get uh, and the way things are going. We need to pray. In our prayer, we need to yield to the Holy Spirit and learn how to pray in the Spirit. So... Back to the first point about unbelief, when you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He came to save us and to to make a way back to God the Father, we also need to believe and receive the Holy Spirit as the person of the Godhead that comes now to help us in our communion and our fellowship with God. Because when Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to ask the Father to give you the Comforter, the Counselor. 
We need to yield to the Holy Spirit, learn how to be led by the Spirit of God in our prayer life and in our listening. The Holy Spirit anointed men to write this, the Word of God, then we need Him to anoint our ears to hear the Word of God. Jesus spoke to His disciples and He communicated the Father's plan to them, but He was limited in that. He could only talk to just those 12 at that particular time or in teaching you know maybe he'd gather a large crowd and so he was able to to preach and to teach them and he was limited in his communication by his physical condition he was you know he was a man uh, although he was the son of god he was a man in the flesh and he had to deal with communicating the same way we communicate and so he was trying to tell them, hey, it's better that I go away. In fact, in John chapter 16, jot this down. In John 16 and verse 7, Jesus is telling his disciples, oh, this is down before he goes to the cross, and he says in verse 7 of John chapter 16, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you. Now, you ought to underline that. And the next time that someone tells you, well, God's not speaking anymore, then you need to show them there what Jesus said in verse 12 there of that chapter. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear. But when, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that, the, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Wow. Jesus was saying, I'm limited. But it's better for you that I go away because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he'll be able then to tell you what you can do and what you need to do. And, he, and that's individually. And where Jesus was limited in, in a geographical area, now the Holy Spirit is worldwide right through the holy spirit jesus can now reveal himself to all believers now he can be in all believers he becomes our expectation of his manifested presence and just as you believed to receive jesus you need to believe to receive the holy spirit in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 jot that down and and read it where he's talking about that we have all been baptized by one spirit into one body, but we've also been made to drink. And so there's a lot of difference in being baptized and drinking. How many of you have been baptized in water, immersed in water? So did you drink any of it? That wasn't for drinking, was it? It was for dipping. You've got to watch that in Texas when you talk about dipping. and not, <clears throat> There's different meanings of that. But... Uh, and there's a difference in being immersed and then drinking. And so that's why that there's, this, there's an outward work of the Holy Spirit where he baptizes us, the Holy Spirit immerses us into the body of Christ. And we are one together in one body. But then there's also then that we're able to, made to drink from him. We ought to be drinking saints. Ephesians, Ephesians uh, says... That be, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. means to be piloted, governed, completely controlled. Be filled with the Spirit. When you're baptized, you don't go down to be filled with the water. No, the water is filled with you. Some of you displace a little bit more water than others. <laughs> but, you know, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And so that's so important as we live in this particular day and age. Has there been an abuse of that? Yes, there's been an abuse of, of believing certain things about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe you've seen that. Maybe you've been afraid of it. But how many of you believe that there's a truth to it? If it's, it's in the Word of God, the Word is true. 
then we simply ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And he will guide us into all truth. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul tells the Colossians, he says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we have Christ in us, and that's the hope, the expectation of glory, of, of sharing in his glory. And we're directed to that. We, we are made aware of that as the Holy Spirit directs us and, and guides us into all truth. Christ is alive in you, and he's, God is, is alive in us, and he does that through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There's an inward work, and there's an outward work of the Holy Spirit, and we need to know the difference, and we need both working in our life. Not some influence, not some ideology, not some philosophy, but the living God in us. The third hindrance is unforgiveness. Now, unbelieving will hinder you from hearing the word of God. And then an undeveloped spirit will hinder you because you won't see or recognize or communicate. But unforgiveness really brings about a spirit of deafness upon believers. That's why Satan works so hard to keep you from forgiving. You might have been wounded, hurt. I'm not going to say might have been. Everyone in this room has been hurt, wounded by words or by something, even physical, physically abused by someone or something in, the, in some time in your life. And if we fail to forgive, we then give Satan a foothold to work in our life. It, it, there's a story that Jesus tells in the 18th chapter of Matthew, and it starts with verse 23, and he talks about a king uh, that was, and he says, the first few verse, verses I'll read, verse 23 through 25, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold and repay, to repay the debt. The man hears this and he falls down before the king and he begs and he pleads and he says, please be patient with me. Just give me a little bit more time, you know, and please don't do this. And so the king sees that and has mercy on him and just forgives his whole debt. Wipes this whole thing away. I figured up how much that was. It's a lot of money that he, that he owed. And somebody had that written down? It's, it's, I think it was, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. So this guy gets up from the king's presence, and he goes out, and so he decides he's going to do his collecting. And so he happens to see one of his servants who owes him, it's like about $10. And he says, hey, where's that money that you owe me? He says, oh, I don't have it right now, you, you know, but just give me time. He, so he tells his men to get him, throw him into the debtor's prison and his wife and his kids until he can pay and sell everything he has and so he pays me the money. And the guy begs with him, pleads with him, please, just give me a little bit more time. Have mercy on me. Just give me a little bit more time. He says, ah, oh, forget it. You've had plenty of time. And he has him thrown in jail. Well, there's some people around watching this, and they know what had happened. So they go back to the king, and they tell the king, hey, you know that guy that you just forget that, that close to a million-dollar debt? A guy out here owes him 10 bucks, and he had him thrown in jail because, and wouldn't forgive him. The king brings him back in. And he tells him, you wicked servant. And he, he has him thrown in jail and tortured because of the things that he did. If you fail to forgive, you open the door to a spirit of deafness, but also a tormenting uh, aspect of where Satan can torment you through just bitterness and envy and and hatred in all particular types of ways. And, and we know that through the word of God that it hinders our prayers. We open ourselves up from attacks of oppression, from evil spirits, from torturing, torturing thoughts, painful memories, reliving the past as a result of our self-inflicted wounds and the work of evil spirits. Our inner selves are damaged and slowly destroyed. And it's just like that one that was thrown into to that 
prison and that torture place slowly rotting away. And that's what happens to uh, your heart and to yourself. The heart of our spirit grows hard and spiritual ears become insensitive and even deaf to the voice of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Peter asked Jesus, well, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? And Jesus said, 70 times seven. Inferring through the Aramaic that that's infinity. Seven was the sign of infinity. And so he says, you know, infinity times infinity. You just forgive. So how do we rebuke this spirit of deafness? Well, we need to take care of the root problem. And that is to get rid of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. You need to do a deep search within and ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you to where that you get rid of that bitterness and that resentment. If not, it's a slow, painful, tormenting, spiritual, as you would, uh, an emotional death that comes upon you. Forgive others for hurts that they've caused you. Release the past. Be set free. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Know that Christ loves you, and he has something better for you. And you know what? He's going to take care of everything. Release. You know, begin walking in love and obedience and pray for forgiveness and set yourself in a position to forgive before anything has even happened. Jesus, in the prayer that he taught, us to pray. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so we ought to set ourselves to already be in an attitude of forgiveness before anybody even does anything to you. Practice that when you're driving home from Houston in five o'clock traffic. We were coming back from a trip and um, Chris and I were on the motorcycles and Sandy and Ruth were in the car and we got out of here on 288 at right at five o'clock traffic you know before you right as you come from 59 underneath there and I mean it just jams up and uh, it had been cooler when we started out that morning so we had leathers on and it was hot and it was humid and I was sweating helmet on leather jacket leathers and you know you can't you just you know you got to hang on to the handlebars you can't just you know just and so, man, I'm, I'm dying. I'm thinking, if I didn't have them back there, I could just, I could find me a way. I could find me a route on around here, man. And so uh, Chris had gotten in the back. When he finally got up there, I says, I'm going to go on ahead so I can get rid of some of these jackets and stuff. And I was thinking about these people. And, boy, I could really, it would really start to wear on you. How I many you know what I'm talking about, the traffic? And so I zipped on up through where I was able to, up there and, and got off that motorcycle and took my leathers off and put them in the saddlebags and everything. And then they caught up with me. Then we, we went on. But, boy, you know, you can start to get an attitude in, a, in traffic, right? Or trying to find a parking space. You can get an attitude doing that, you know? And somebody zip in front of you. You're sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden, by the time the car has to back your way out, you know, towards you and the person over here, they just turn the corner here. They come and zip right into your parking place. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how spiritual you are when that, things like that happen. But, you know, it, that, those things are bad enough. But if we're harboring bitterness and, uh, you know, unforgiveness in our heart, how much worse is that? And Satan constantly brings it up. Even in the times of when we're still before the Lord, trying to hear his voice, there's a spirit of deafness there because of this distractions and stuff that come. And we can't even concentrate on what God has to say because our spirit is continually trying to tell us something different and that's all we can think about. Satan will make sure that that's all you hear. So we need to lay it aside. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles you. And run with perseverance this race course marked out for you. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. So unforgiveness stops God's voice. Forgiveness brings a return of God's voice. So we need to do that. 
you need to do an inventory. You need to do a, have your little checklist and make sure that you have forgiven anyone for anything in the past. Number four, the fourth hindrance is a calloused conscience. A calloused conscience. Easton's Bible Dictionary says this is what the conscience is. You know, how do you tell, what is your conscience and where is it? That's, a, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Easton's Bible Dictionary says that the conscience is that faculty of the mind or inborn sense of right and wrong by which we judge of the moral character of human conduct. It is common to all, like all our other faculties, it has been perverted, though, by the fall. So it's this kind of moral compass that tells us right or wrong. But yet because of the fall and because of a sin that has entered into the world and into our lives, our conscience can be perverted as well. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Matthew 13. In verse 15 of Matthew 13, Jesus says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. Now, are you, you hear that? He says, For this people's hearts has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But a calloused conscience is hindering them. A calloused heart. Sometimes a heart was, was synonymous with our spirit or actually with, our, with a conscience within, within a person. Job said in Job chapter 27, verses 5 and 6, Job said, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. He had set himself to say, you know, I'm not going to deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness, my right standing before God, and my conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. I'm not going to have a callous conscience. I'm going to follow the truth and walk uprightly before God. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So he was saying, you know, that when our conscience is not calloused, but when it is controlled and led by the Holy Spirit, then we can speak the truth and we have, there's a difference in living. But when our, our conscience, when, when our hearts are calloused, then just as Jesus said there in Matthew 13, he says, this people's hearts has become calloused and they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. So we don't see or hear. We can't see or hear what God's trying to say to us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. So rather than having a calloused heart or a calloused conscience, you know, God is looking for those, and it says he looks throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And follow his word. You know, the people in, the, in Bible times understood the heart to be the seat of emotions or affections. It, uh, it was the, the place where, you know, motives were, were uh, worked out. And uh, it was the intentions, it represented the intentions of a person. That's where their, their conscience or the heart was. And sometimes it was synonymous uh, with, they would work back and forth synonymous between heart and conscience as it's written in the Word of God. God is vitally concerned with these things, with our motives, with our intentions, with our emotions, with our affections. And He's told us these things. And what causes our heart or our conscience to be calloused? Well, again, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And if we're not careful, then our body and our soul can get our heart into a lot of trouble. Amen? 
our body consists of flesh, bone, and blood, right? See, we are uh, we're just the same way that God is a trinity, we see the, the trinity working in us. We are, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And each one of those, our body is made up of flesh, bone, and, and blood. And our body communicates to us through what? Through physical senses and through what we, we hear, what we smell, how, what we feel. You know, if we're hurting or, or um, you know, headaches, stomach aches, hunger, fatigue, lust, whatever, you know. The lust of the eyes and, and what we smell. And so um, that can communicate to us. And those, if you've ever had any kind of addictions, sometimes there are certain triggers by what you smell, what you see, what you're doing, or, or wherever. And those are little triggers that trigger your mind then to think about that habit that you used to have, right? That sin that you used to walk in and live in. Our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions communicates through thinking, through reasoning, and through worry, fear, or love, hatred, desires for revenge, various things, our mind, our will, our emotions. And so that's where we find these affections and the reasonings that are there. Our spirit consists of wisdom, communion, and conscience. And our spirit communicates too, and it really communicates through our conscience, that, that small voice that's there. And if that conscience is not under God's control or led by the spirit, it's affected by our fleshly makeup, by our human makeup. And, you know, usually our conscience says, don't do that, or you really should do such and such. It's the checklist for right and wrong. And people who, uh, who, who don't really serve God or who don't know God, they also have a conscience. Uh, they hear this little inner voice of, the, of their human spirit. But the problem with the human spirit is that it's not necessarily under the direction of God. Now, there are some people that are, that are not saved, that they're good people. You know, and they maybe they've been raised right, and they have a good. They their conscience is good, and they they follow certain moral things, and that's why that a lot of people that are good people think they don't need salvation because they're not bad, they're good. But we know that we all need. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. But without principles of God's word, the human spirit can lead us astray, and so when the conscience is is reinforced by the voice of the indwelling Holy Spirit, as Paul said in Romans 9, where he said, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. He said, I speak the truth in Christ. So when our, our conscience is reinforced by the voice of God through the indwelling Holy Spirit, then we can speak with a, a true and a clear conscience. The key is... You know, if we have allowed our consciences to be seared by sin and willful disobedience, then it becomes, there's a little callous there. You know, when we, Sandy and I rode to Alaska on our Harley, it was 12,300 and some miles. It was 40 days, actually. We didn't plan it to be 40 days, but it ended up being 40 days. And wearing gloves, I was wearing gloves, and even the short fingered gloves had gel packs in the, in the palm, but when we got back, we had ridden so much and through the mountains that I had calluses on my hands, even through the gloves. There's a, a lot of times we think that we're protected or whatever, but you live in sin, not saying that riding a motorcycle was sin, but, <laughs> but what I'm saying is sometimes we think, we're not so bad, I'm covered, I got it covered, I'm wearing my gloves. And those calluses build up underneath there. And when we don't even recognize it, I didn't even realize it. What? Man, what's up with that? How come I got calluses there? I've been wearing gloves because in, you know, when it wasn't the short finger gloves, it was cold and I was wearing, you know, full finger gloves and trying to keep my hands warm, but yet there were still calluses there. And when we are not submitted to the Lord, when our spirit is not submitted to the Lord, just the just going through life, everyday life, we start to build calluses up on our heart. And it's like we, we get further and further away from God and, and we're not as sensitive to Him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? 
You know, not receiving God's forgiveness can cause calluses. And then the conscience grows calloused and hard. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't get callous. We've got to hear his voice to keep that tenderness before him. It's imperative that we hear the voice of the Lord today. God closes his mouth and he ceases to speak to us with, if we have a hardened heart. Um, causes of callous, of a callous and the hardening of the heart. What causes it? Wrong intentions. Let's go, just kind of do a walk back. Wrong intentions. Ananias and Sapphira, remember them? How many of you are watching the series A.D.? Did you see that part where Ananias and Sapphira, they, they showed it on television. Pretty interesting how that came about. But, you know, they, they sold their house and some land and stuff. And they, were, they said, hey, we're going to give everything we have to uh, the work of the Lord. And we're going to come, we're going to live here. Said, oh, that's great. That's awesome. So when they came, when Ananias came and he gives a pretty good gift, the Holy Spirit tells Peter that that's not it. Wait a minute, you made a vow to God. You promised God something, and now you're not doing that. And he said, because of what you have determined in your heart, you know, boom, and, and Ananias falls dead. Aren't you glad that, that we're not living in that? Wait a minute, he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> I used to hear my mom quote that scripture, it's better to not vow a vow than to vow a vow and not keep it. And so then... They, as they write, they, here comes Sapphira in, and, and she says, and Peter asks her some questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, 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 this is it. This is all we have. And he says, he says, you know, the same thing that happened to your husband, as they're dragging him out, they're going to be dragging you out too. Boom. And she goes dead. Talk about being slain in the Spirit. That's, that's really being slain in the Spirit right there. The Holy Spirit just knocked them dead. Wrong intentions. You know, we get to thinking about it. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, of the Lord speaks to us, and we hear that, and then we, we kind of let that churn around a little bit in our soul and our mind and our emotions, and it seems like that we can build up a callousness, and we put that off, and so then the next time, it's a little easier to put off what God says because it, it, there's another callous there. And each time it gets easier and easier not to do what God's saying. Amen? When we know that it's not right, but yet we reason that it's right because of something else. We justify those intentions. Hello, it's getting real quiet now. Well, let's move on then from wrong intentions to worldly affections. You know, if our affections are set on things on the earth rather than things in heaven, then 1 John chapter 2.15 says this offends God. How many of you want to go around offending God? That's not a good thing to do. You know, the Bible tells us to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And so we don't need to be offending him, but having... When our affections are set more on the world and the things of this world than they are on things above, of, of heaven, then that also causes a hardening of our heart or callousness. Impure motives. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. James 4.3 says, You do not receive because you... Ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow. Hmm. You know, it says you ask. First he says you have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, you're asking with the wrong motives in mind. So God doesn't answer that. Why? Because we've already cal our hearts are already callous because we haven't been following him in the other ways. It really shows up in our giving, you know, because we can justify that that we can't give because of this, because of that, because of this, because of that. But giving is all, all about showing how much we trust God. It's not about how much we have or how much we have left. It's all about trusting God whether we have anything or not. 
and that if we gave all we had, we'd still know that he would take care of us. And so that's what matters to God because God doesn't need our money, but he needs our trust because we have to learn to trust him so that we know that when the difficult times come, we don't have to worry because our trust is in him. We, want, uh, we need to guard our affections, our motives, and our intentions to make sure that they are pure because God knows our heart and he knows the very thoughts and intents of our heart is what it says. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, uh, Samuel was talking about there where he was choosing, you know, I think it was when he was choosing David. And, and so Jesse, the father of all these boys, was like, you know, here, oh, look how strong. He make a good king, good-looking man, you know, big, strong, everything. Here's puny little old David, you know, comes in. And uh, he's like confused and and that's where there in 1 Samuel 16, 7, where he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God sees our heart. He knows our heart. We can't hide things from the Lord, these motives, these intentions, and, and the various things. He knows what's going on there. And if we do not keep our hearts right in his sight, then we're not going to hear his voice. We're going to have a hardened heart, and we'll be... Uh, you know, hard of hearing to him. It's a hindrance to us. When God stops speaking, we may begin hearing other voices. And that's when we hear our voice, the voice of the flesh or of, of Satan. Because there's three voices that speak to us. You know, it's our flesh, it's Satan, and, and God. And so when God stops speaking, then we have a tendency to hear these other voices. The fifth and last hindrance to hearing is rebellion. So these are the five heavy ones, you know, today. And, but they're very important because people, we can't afford not to hear God. Rebellion in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, he's, uh, Samuel says this, it says, For rebellion is as bad as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. And now because you have rejected the word of Jehovah, he has rejected you from being king. That's the living Bible. And that was what Samuel was telling Saul because he went and did something that he wasn't supposed to do. He went and he made a sacrifice after they went in and, and they, well, where's Samuel, where's Samuel? Well, we don't have time to wait for Samuel. Let's go ahead and fight this battle. And they fought the battle and they took uh, all of the, the spoils of the war and all of their, the sheep and various things and, so uh, they said, well, you know, what we need to do then, we had a great victory here, well, let's just make a sacrifice to God. And they weren't, the king wasn't supposed to be the one that did the sacrificing, Samuel was. And, you know, Saul was trying to justify this to Samuel. He says, well, you know, and we gave God, an, uh, we gave God a sacrifice, you know, and, and we kind of tipped God for this. And, and that's when Samuel said, you know, you, that's rebellion. You, did, you went against what God said. Because Samuel had told him what the, what the Lord had said to do, and Samuel just flat out did it. You ever, raising kids, have you ever told them, now don't do such and such, and they look at you, and you know the little gears are turning, and they just, get over there and they get it, you know? And don't you get that cookie? Okay. I'm not getting that. <laughs> you know, and that's just intentional rebellion. That's when you need to get on to them. It might be cute and funny, but boy, that's where it starts. And we do the same thing. We open up ourselves to, when, we're, when we get into rebellion, we open up ourselves to hear other voices that speak in, the, in that same sphere and dimension of where the Holy Spirit speaks through our conscience and through that part of us. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, moving on there a little bit, in verse 13 and 14, it says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. See, whenever you stop hearing God, then you start hearing, and, and what, are you, what was he wanting to hear? He was wanting to hear what he wanted to hear anyway. Oh, I don't, let's see, tell me, tell me what God said. Oh, I don't like that. Let's see. Uh, you tell me what God said. I like, maybe I like that better until you finally go out and, 
and find out, oh, that's good, I like that, I'll take that. He consulted a medium, the witch of Endor. Wow. You've got to read the Bible sometime. Man, the Old Testament is so It's amazing, you know. It, it makes some really good, some of the best movies and soap operas and stuff like that would come out of there. Verse 14 there in 1 Chronicles 10, it says, where it says that, um, talking about that Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord and he didn't keep the word of, of the Lord. He even consulted a medium for, for guidance. It says, and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Rebellion will keep you from hearing God because you don't want to hear it. You want to do your will. You want to walk in your will instead of God's will. And you know, we say, well, if, you know, I didn't hear no audible voice from heaven. No, but you might have read it. You might have heard it from the pulpit. You know, somewhere within your spirit, you know that and you do what you want to do anyway. Not you, of course, because you're here, but, you know, we're talking, you know, those that aren't here, right? That's right. None of us would ever do anything like that. In 1 Samuel 28, which parallels the Chronicles and, and Kings and Samuel, a lot of times will parallel. But in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 28, it says, He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or the, the Urim of the prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. And then they said, hey, there is one in Endor. So, you know, it says that he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord didn't answer him. The Lord said, why do I even, you don't listen to me anyway. I'm not speaking to you. So he did, he began to hear other voices. And so be careful. Satan comes to steal the word from us. Jesus told the parable in Luke chapter 8, verse 12. It says those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Satan's always coming to steal the word. And even with Christians and believers, that word goes forth. And maybe even as I'm preaching today, the word of the Lord, and you're hearing it, but then maybe you don't, you don't like it because it's not comfortable. And so what you do is you kind of throw that part out and you go ahead and do what you want to do. But we don't do that. I know none of y'all do that. But people, people do that. Satan comes as an angel of light. He can make really good excuses for us to use. But you know what I've always said about excuses. Excuses are like armpits. Everybody has at least two and they both stink. You know, so, you know, that's the way our, our excuses before God, they're not going to hold up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, and, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You know, our human desires and reasonings will rationalize and tell you what you want to hear. So it all boils down to this. What do you want to hear? Do you really want to hear God? Then believe that he wants to speak to you. And, you know, develop your spirit. Spend some time developing your spirit so that you can be in a position to hear God. Make sure there's no unforgiveness in your life. And, you know, walk with him and, and talk with him and fellowship with him. You know, he loves you. And check it out. Ask God, you know, say, search me, O God, and know my way. See if there be any wicked way in me. And then... Check out your conscience and see if your heart's a little bit hardened. Where are you, you know, in your walk with God? And, and so maybe you need to, to ask the Holy Spirit to just do a little grinding on you a little bit and, and make your heart a little bit more tender and a little more soft before God and so that you don't have a calloused heart. And then make sure that you're hearing the word of the Lord and you're not rebelling and you're not doing your will, but you come in and, and you say, not my will, but thine be done. If it was that close to Jesus as the Son of God to not do the will of God when he heard God, how much more for us? And so we need to be careful about that. You know, choose to believe. Make a choice today to believe that God wants to speak to you and learn the, the proper usage of God's word 
to tune our ears up, reading his word and, and developing our spirit before God. And you know what? That takes some diligent work. But we're always talking about how we want to see a move of God. We want to see this and we want to see that. Well, God wants to get our spirits softened. He wants us to get an ear to hear him so that we are so sensitive to, to him speaking and following him and doing what he says. We need to get rid of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and forgive others for the hurts that maybe that they've caused in, in your life. Release the past. Get away from it and begin walking in love and obedience and be free from that. Pray for forgiveness for uh, and to set yourself free from that. And, and people just have a desire for God. 